3: Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer.
0: And I am Dory Shafrir. And we're not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. We do. We do. Or not using serums,
3: you know? That might be where I'm headed in life. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. Now, uh, Dory, you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mentioned on the show. Our Instagram is forever35podcast. You can join the Forever Thirty Five Facebook group where the password is serums. You can also shop our favorite prods at shopmy.us slash forever thirty-five. Sign up for our newsletter at Forever35 Podcast.com slash newsletter. And if you would like to reach us, our voicemail and text number is 781-591-0390, or you can always email us at Forever35 Podcast at gmail.com.
0: And just a reminder, we are doing a live show in two short weeks. On Wednesday, February 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, tickets are available now at moment.co slash forever 35. The show will also be available on demand for a week after it airs. So if you can't make it live, just grab a ticket, catch the recorded version after. There will still be lots of lols and.
3: So many lols. So many lols. Uh,
0: there's also going to be an after party where you can end the night with some final thoughts and intentions. We're going to get cozy in the hotel lounge. And there is going to be exclusive merchandise. Yeah, that you can only get at the
3: show. Yep. Thank you to our friends at Balance Bound. Mm-hmm. You can check out the merch we already have with them at balancebound.co slash shop slash for 35 I just do want to say you are going to love some of this exclusive merch it's we've seen we've been planning it we've been having meetings
0: we will have we will also have some of it at the show so you'll be able to see it oh yeah yeah oh
3: yeah i'm excited okay now i know okay
0: yeah um well listen
3: as i've mentioned on here i'm working on my self-confidence okay so part of that is promoting myself yes fucking hate so much i hate it But I did want to share that the paperback version of my novel in a New York Minute is out now. You can get it wherever books are sold. It has a beautiful new cover. I'm obsessed with it. I'm very proud of it. And I appreciate your support. If you want to buy it, pick it up at your library, request it at your local bookstore. But I'm also doing a live event today, technically. Yeah. February February 8th. 8th. Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Chevalier's Books here in Los Angeles. I'll be signing books. I'll be in conversation. I'll be answering questions. I would really love to see you. I will do all. I, I will sign your book with weird forever thirty-five inside jokes if you come. I like to go all out. I will draw a horse head. I will happily get very weird for you. Doria's nodding because she knows the truth. I do. Um, and also next Wednesday, I'm at the I'm at Strand Books in New York City. Oh,
0: that's right. At their romance panel. Yes. On February 15th.
3: For the okay. next three Wednesdays, I have a live event.
0: So Kate, I will be at your LA show, LA show, LA event. Yes. I will not be at your New York event. I accept that. I will be at your Forever 35 live event.
3: Cause you are in
0: that with us. Yes. 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 Yeah. So listen. So I'll be but- spending two out of three Wednesday <laughs> lot nights. On a Wednesday night.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'll have links for all those things, but if you would like to come to any of those, please do. Please say hi. You can also corner Dory at Chevali's today. She'll be there.
0: I'll be there. Like
3: an extra chic.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's Ooh, part what
3: of. What should I wear? That's what part are you of, wearing? I don't know. Okay. I don't know right. yet. I did, I did just order this sweater from Mango. Oh, it's cute. I kind of like it. Yeah. It's cozy. I never know what to wear at a uh-huh. thing. Uh huh. I'm still in that kind of. Yeah. I don't leave the house much. And when I do, it's in a, it's in a sweatshirt I received like five years ago.
0: Yeah. I too am in this, like, what do I wear? But I've been in that phase for like mm, four years. I felt like I was in it pre pandemic because totally. I was pregnant and then I had a baby and then the pandemic hit. So it's been like, it's been literally almost five years of not knowing what to wear. It's been four and a half years of not knowing what to wear. Wow. <laughs> Almost as long as we've been doing this podcast.
3: Yes. Oh, well. God. Well, also it, what is interesting is it does kind of give you this opportunity to explore what your style is now. And quite frankly, maybe you are, maybe this is your style. Like maybe com- comfort can also be style, right? Like,
0: yeah. I mean, for the record right now, I'm wearing a, uh, leggings let's do some fit checks i'll do a fit check okay i'm wearing lululemon um align leggings oh my god i am too i believe i got these on poshmark um i'm wearing i'm wearing my tennis shoes more on that in a bit and i'm wearing a sweatshirt from the harry styles concert which is super cute <gasps> thank you and a dodgers hat why am i wearing my actual tennis and I- When I say I'm wearing my tennis shoes, I don't mean tennis shoes in the sense of like certain parts of the country where they call all sneakers tennis shoes. We don't do that. I'm actually wearing shoes meant to play tennis because I was supposed to play tennis this morning and they canceled it, but I didn't get the email. So I showed up and they were like, oh, yours is canceled and the other class is full. And I was like like embarrassing Aww. and annoying and like i was like looking forward to playing tennis because it's my first time playing tennis since i pulled my calf muscle so i was all ready to get back out I there i hate that feeling
3: where you're like very amped and like i was like
0: stretching yeah you've like planned this yeah. energetically
3: yeah you're, you've prepared
0: yeah, exactly and
3: your shoes and your outfit and my
0: shoes my outfit so i was just like oh my gosh and then i got home and matt was home and he was like, well, do you want to just, do you want, do you want to just hit some tennis balls with me like at the tennis court near our house for a little while? And I was like, okay, he doesn't play tennis. So I I really appreciated it. That was very sweet. It was very sweet. We did actually go, but he does not play tennis. <laughs> so you appreciated the effort. I did. I really appreciate the effort and the sentiment. And then I was like, you know, you can take tennis lessons. Yeah. He was like, "It is kind of fun to like just hit a ball everywhere." Yes, it is very fun. I mean, you know, you like to hit balls.
3: Oh, I'm, I'm like now, I'm now doing pickleball two times a week. See, I've got a pickleball crew. Look at you! I love it.
0: It's very fun to just like hit a ball with a paddle. My serves were
3: killing it yesterday.
0: Damn!
3: It just felt, you know what it is, and actually, my pickleball coach kind of called me out on it. Every at the beginning of every pickleball. We, we i take a cla- uh, like a class once a week with three other friends and our coach and i always turn on my apple watch and i track my activities i was tra- like fiddling with my watch and he was like hey i know you have a lot going on in your life i think he thought i was like on my phone he's like but when you're here you've got to just compartmentalize and shut all that out and i was like you know what that's the reason i love pickleball so much is because mm-hmm. i'm not on i can't be checking my phone yeah I have to only focus on pickleball because I I'm learning it. Yeah. And also there's a there are ball whiffle ball things flying at me. Totally. And I really this time I don't want to sound too cheesy, but it feels it's a sacred time for me. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday so I'm on a book deadline, I'm trying to get this manuscript turned in. And I could have very easily and I I do this a lot where I I don't do anything but work. Mm-hmm. And because I'm so panicked, I start to convince myself that like there is no, t- no time for anything else. And I there was a moment where I was like I shouldn't go to pickleball. It's 2 hours, like 3 hours of my morning. I should use that time to write. But I but then I was like, "Girl, fuck no." Like, what? You need this time. Yes. It's really it's just so being outside, getting to be with friends, getting to talk to the Crew of like retirees who play pickleball in the next court who are like in their 80s and a million times better and more agile than I'll ever be. You know, it's like it's, it's just a different community. It's great. Yeah. And I was already talking about how I want older friends. So totally. Oh, let me tell you, I'm going to find myself a pickleball bestie who's oh 75 or older. My fit check today, Dory, is I'm in Nike high top blazer sneakers. I am also in Lululemon align leggings. Black.
0: Okay. Spanx, I see you.
3: Spanx underpants, an Athleta tank top with a built-in bra. Okay. That I, I I have two of these. I probably wear them every day. And this new sweater from Mango, and a hair clip that I ordered online, and I um and like hair that's, it's in that phase of like greasiness where I can really slick it back without any product. Ooh, you know that yeah. phase where you're like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> That's my fit check for today. Uh, I love all this.
3: Do you have a hard time? I really struggle with this actually, and I not not to make this about me, but I'm curious if you have this because I think it's an a d h d thing mm-hmm. when you plan on something in mentally and also like you've kind mm-hmm. of set up your day and then it it changes quick mm-hmm. like you're and you don't have control over it. Does it send you spiraling um
0: I wouldn't say spiraling, but I would say it like annoys me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen this happen with other people I'm close with who have ADHD, and it can like fully throw them off, like for like for good. The tennis thing is a little more complicated because I had already been feeling a little annoyed at the 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 lesson place because for like very in the weeds reasons, they split up the class mm. the live ball class into like an upper intermediate and a lower intermediate, which is fine, and like I felt like some of the people I was playing with, like I was actually in danger of like getting injured because <laughs> like, they were just like, they hit the ball so hard. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was fine. I'm fine being in the lower intermediate, but not as many people sign up for the lower intermediate. So that has led to like classes being canceled, classes being too small to like, like. so that's just been annoying to me. And I'm just like, wow. So I'm annoyed at the- You're already annoyed. I'm already annoyed. And then this happened and I was just like, oh, this is very frustrating. I I think I was especially annoyed because I, for like a couple months, I felt like I'd kind of like gotten into this great rhythm and like I was really enjoying the classes. It was like a good group of people. I was getting a great workout. It was really fun. I was getting better. And then I kind of feel like the rug was like pulled out from under me a little bit. And that's very frustrating to me.
3: And you have no control
0: over it. And I have no control over it. So I either have to be like hopeful that they change this back because it's like clearly not really working. But then there's also part of me that's like, well, they're able to fill the other class. So maybe they just don't care. Um, You know, so it's very I'm like very annoyed by this. And the oh, and the icing on the cake is that. They have a Saturday class and those classes get filled up.
3: And is it the inter- the lower the, intermediate? Both,
0: uh- the lower and the upper, but I can't really do the Saturday classes. <sighs> so I'm just like I'm annoyed you know, for you. I'm annoyed for you. Just when I had found the sort of like ideal situation mm-hmm. the rules the goalposts have shifted. That's all.
3: That's very annoying. I'm sorry. That's annoying. It's yes. annoying also when you are excited, like when you are looking forward yes, to something.
0: exactly. Especially because
3: like we all need that.
0: Yes. It, I is, was like,
3: it is so discouraging everywhere else.
0: Yes. Yes. And I was like, this is so great. Like I get to be outside. I get to be among people. I get to play tennis. I love tennis. Like it's like, just, you know, all these things. And now it's like, well, and now it's changed. And now I have to worry every time, like, are they going to cancel it? Are there going to be enough people? Is it going to be, like, weird energy? Like, you know, it's just shitty. So I'm annoyed.
3: Sounds like you're really disappointed. Have you expressed any of this to these this tennis comp- this tennis, like, the place? I mean – like lodged an official complaint of like, hey, here's the deal.
0: I was like clearly very disappointed this morning. Okay, good because I went.
3: Yeah, and they that's okay. I'm I'm annoyed for you.
0: Um, so I don't know. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see how things play out through this like cycle, which I think goes till mid March or something. So like another six weeks, and then I will like reassess. So. I'm sorry.
3: Well, you can always start playing pickleball if you want.
0: I love that you love pickleball.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) We will leave it at that. Well, why don't we introduce our listeners to our guest today? Let's do that. Uh, We have Samara Bay on the podcast today. In addition to being our in real life friend and a wonderful person. She's a communication expert whose clients range from candidates for the US Congress to C-suite executives, international diplomats, and the part we're most excited about, Hollywood celebrities. <laughs> so she has coached American and international actors, including Rachel McAdams, Pierce Brosnan, Gal Gadot, Ricky Martin, Jennifer Jason Lee, There's more. Rosie O'Donnell, Miles Teller, Keegan-Michael Key, and Penelope Cruz on projects for Marvel, DC, HBO, Showtime, and more and more and more. She's also the host of the podcast, Permission to Speak. And her book, Permission to Speak, is out now. And it's excellent. So when we come back, we will be talking with our friend, Samara.
0: BRB.
2: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes
2: and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant
0: formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com.
3: You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing! And that is how I became a tretinoin gal. I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. You know, Dory, we talk Samara, welcome. Uh, let's just get it out there. We all know each other in real life, and we are friends via motherhood, essentially. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> it's true. But
3: motherhood our, was actually like a really good choice in terms of community. Yeah, we were connected by uh, our our having of the children, but we are so much more. but we are we're so glad to have you as a guest on forever thirty five to assure motherhood may come up, but really, what we are here to talk about is giving ourselves permission to speak before we get to your incredible book and life experience and wisdom, we like to check in with our guests about a self care practice that they have instituted in their own lives which could really be anything. Do you have something that you do that you consider self-care?
1: Uh I'm going to go a little A to C on this cuz I'm being really honest about what what I have learned is self-care for me. Like definitely a massage comes to mind, but that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is reaching out and having real like moments, real moments with friends every day. Mm. Ooh.
3: Okay, no, wait a second. Let's back up here. How do you do that? Because some this is hard for some of us. Like, what would you consider reaching out? What do you consider having a moment with someone? What does this look like in your day-to-day?
1: Sometimes, mostly, it happens organically by virtue of literally, like, spending some time on the internet, which obviously is a place where we can all talk about boundaries, but also a place where I think the three of us can attest. It's also a place for connection through you know, uh, the pandemic and before and after. Um, but specifically, uh, I have found during this bizarre era of sort of going more public than ever as my book has become um, a thing that I, you know, I'm like promoting on a daily basis that um, having moments with friends, whether it's about what I'm doing or not, helps me appreciably with how vulnerable it feels to go public. Like a text exchange where I check in and say, are you doing okay? Or I send a funny, you know, a meme or whatever that my husband has sent me to a specific friend that makes me think of. But knowing that doing that is not a distraction from my day, but is actually there to support the version of me that I want to have show up on that day Mm. is just a, you know, it's just a different framing. So
3: you're reaching out both for the other person, but also for yourself.
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah. I actually talk about this in the final chapter of my book that helping people gives us this like oxytocin hit. So it's like, yeah, you could think of it totally. If you want to be cynical, you can totally think of it as transactional or, you know, for the self self part of self care. But the reality is that exchange where you offer something lovely to someone and they, you know, smile or hit like, or actually say like, thank you for thinking of me is like bigger than me or that person. It's like how we, you know, oh God, the phrase just came to mind: love out loud. So there you go. I'll say it. It's how we love out loud and it's how we spread more love. And quite honestly, like as cynical as we
0: want to be, cynicism doesn't help us if actually we like the feeling of love, you know? Is there, is there an expectation of reciprocity there? And like, is there something that you need from your friends that they are also offering to you or, or is this just something that is coming from you?
1: It's such a great, it's such a great question because also it gets, it gets into the strategy of it that I think, um, I think I necessarily don't go too deep into, or it does start to feel transactional, but I will say Mm. this. I think I've learned how to do this over time from my friends who do it. Mm. Okay. Right? And I'm like, God, it feels so lovely to just have somebody say, I see you. You're doing Mm -hmm. that brave thing and fucking see you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I didn't okay, I didn't I didn't like post that reel so that they would send me that, but I was feeling brave and bravery feels vulnerable and that is a feeling and then I was like alone with that feeling because that's what happens when you post something on the internet and then you're like still in your house. And then to get that note was like, "Oh my god, that was so much more meaningful than just a few words in a text. How can I, you know, pay that forward?" So someone's modeled the behavior. Mhm. So important
3: isn't it isn't it amazing what we learn from people in our life that we sometimes we don't even realize it until we're doing it, and then it's like, oh, look at this,
1: right you're so right, you're so right and i and I also feel like you know I, as we get older, um no matter how thirty five we remain, we are also <laughs> working on who we wanna have around us, right in the ways in which we have control over that, and so part of that is, well, how do people make us feel in these tiny, tiny little ways that you know. On paper shouldn't matter, but they really do, yeah, this is a conversation
3: then, I have with my daughters a lot. Mm, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I was just gonna say, I feel like i I like weirdly learn a lot about friendship and kind of how to show up from people, how to show up for people from group texts <laughs> <laughs> like. And I know it sounds weird. but that's so it. No, go on. Tell us more. It could be like a revolution. (laughs) Right. Like, let's say the three of us are on a group chat and Smart, you, you know, you're having a bad day and you reach out to us and, you know, you're being really vulnerable. And then like, what will often happen is like, I'll respond and be like, Oh, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. And then the other person in the group text in this scenario, Kate, will respond with like something like extremely thoughtful and caring. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's how you should respond. Like, that's how you show up. Hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Because I thought you were going to say that another. Sorry, go ahead, (laughs) Dory. No, it's like, it's like you get a little insight into how, other people interact with each other. Like if it was just, if you had just texted Kate, right? I wouldn't know how Kate responded to you, but because you're texting both of us, I get to kind of see, oh, this is how she's responding. Oh, okay. Like, it's funny. I just, I feel like, especially lately, maybe because a lot of people are going through like hard things. Like I've just kind of witnessed some really, caring and thoughtful responses and have kind of just like filed away like oh these people are really good at showing up and and like saying the right thing which is really tough sometimes yeah no that so modeling know. thing it's so true the like modeling thing up, you know yeah.
1: it because it's not like and look this actually intersects with my work work like it's it, to be clear, if we pick up someone else's style of intentionally showing up and try it out ourselves, we're not lying. We're not being manipulative. Right. We're learning how to be more honest and vulnerable in conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have multitudes and we have different communication styles we can use. And all of us have been able to tap into our greatest, I mean, I'm putting quotes around it because, of course, what would be the definition of that? But our greatest communication style in the moments that matter for the people that need us when they're perhaps right in front of us Mm. and they're crying and they're saying, I can't believe I let this guy treat me this way. And we go, oh, my God, I have a story for you. Wait, wait, the story will help yeah yes and then when we're out of alignment because we're not present we're not physically present we're not seeing the tears we're not just feeling the feelings and like organically you know we can start to get in our head how how does this person need me to show up Mm. but i'm really interested in that version of us that is our quote unquote greatest as i said you know what what is this version of us that tells a story for example not because we're being self-indulgent not and yeah. we don't have any of those you know sort of stereotypical voices that women have in their heads when they're about to tell a story where we think either my story is not worth it it's boring or I'm taking up too much time and space and I'm going to sound like a I'm bragging mm. because mm. as i like to say and this is super relevant for like public speaking or whatever if someone is choking in front of us We're not going to hold back that we have CPR training because like, well, it'll be super self-indulgent and we'll be talking about (laughs) our certification program, (laughs) right? We'll be like, they're choking. I can help. Yes. And the thing about public speaking, not in every case, right? There's a billion scenarios where we're getting up and talking in front of people. And sometimes it's even just a pitch for one other person or a pitch to get better Mm. paid, you know? But if we can think about that in terms of they are choking and they might not look like it. Mm. And what Mm. do I have that's useful? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This brings up a
3: lot of thoughts for me. I'm just thinking about this whole kind of uh, I don't know, this is a little bit of, of off topic, but just this idea of how we participate and what we bring to the conversation. And oftentimes I know for myself, my first reaction is like, I don't want to make this about me. Like I don't I don't want you know, there's mm. it, when when I think kind of what you're suggesting is there 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 are ways of making about you that aren't helpful, but there also are ways where your story is impactful. And finding your voice to share that and
1: not be in your head in this way is a learned skill. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And learned meaning also you practice it. You know, it helps to practice it. It helps to say, I'm going to try sharing this story and see how it goes. Practicing is scary. Oh my God. Being bad at something before you're good. I mean, this is something parenthood has offered us the opportunity to create a lot of kind of space around for our children. Yeah. You know, and we see it, we see, I mean, I see, you know, my kid being bad at piano and thus not liking it. And I'm like, Ooh, mm, ooh, ooh like this is too. so useful. Mm. Oh, this is so useful. Mm. So you don't like that feeling of not being good at it yet. Is that the same as not liking the teacher? Is that the same as not liking yeah. the, the possibility, the potential, whatever music? No. So how do we, you know, <laughs> it's all connected.
3: So,
0: Samara, let's get to your book, which mm-hmm. is so wonderful yeah. and I think will be so important to so many people. And y- you you discussed this in uh, the introduction, but for the benefit of our listeners, could you kind of give us just a brief overview of how you came to do this work and how you came to write this book in particular? Um.
1: Thank you. Okay. So here's an example of storytelling, right? So <laughs> first I'll say I have this background as a dialect coach in Hollywood. So I, after having an acting career, transitioned in like 10 years ago into coaching actors for accents. So this meant working with movie stars who have English as a second language accents or coaching Americans or Brits who need specific accents for a role. It has been an absolute utter delight, but the best parts were always the real talk off set about their mm. own communication stuff, mm. about what this accent that they had seemed to be uh, affected. Like, it, it was affecting how people would treat them. I remember a movie star who I will not name because I'm so classy telling me, no matter what I do, I will always be an immigrant. Look, There's nothing wrong with being an immigrant, but you know what they mean. I will always Mm -hmm. be, there will always be some, some element of accent bias and people will be putting me into a category I have no control over. Yeah. Yeah. And those conversations or the, I got, I, I get to speak at the United Nations as this actor. You know, I get to speak at the United Nations or I get to give this, um, award to Britney Spears. True story. Mm -hmm. Um, and suddenly talking as quote unquote myself is bringing up all this new shit. And what is this? And how do I sound like myself, quote unquote, when all eyes are on me instead of like a character? And so then during the 2018 midterms, I got this call from moveon.org and a friend had put me up to do this like pro bono coaching for that huge slew of women who are running for office for the first time that summer. And oh my God, I was like, quite honestly, I was like, I have no idea if I'm going to be useful, but Mm. it's way better than just going to those, you know, marches about that was the summer that we were hearing what was happening at the border. I mean, I was actually in Washington, D.C. that summer coaching Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman 2. And I had some downtime because she had a lot of flying sequences where there were no words coming out of her mouth. <laughs> And so I said, yes, yes, yes. And I started coaching these women and I had these massive ahas about, you know, I mean, not to be over dramatic, but about what I should be doing. And this book is a, you know, direct outpouring of that because I realized that these women are exactly who should be in charge. That everything, in fact, that we can point to that's wrong with our society, right? Mm. I mean, I'm gonna this sounds really, you know, extreme, but it's I kinda think it's true. Everything you can point to is because the wrong people are in charge. And here are these women who are magnificent, not always showing up magnificently in the moments that matter. And what is that? And so I started to think through: well, there's some massive eons long cultural stories about, you know, who the public was literally built for and what the people who speak in it are supposed to sound like. And those stories are outdated and they don't help us. And once Mm. I got really fiery about that, I realized that no one in the quote unquote public speaking world talks that way. There's a lot of little like, you know, here's how to talk in order to get taken seriously. Here's how to sound like an authority figure. Keep your voice low. Cut out all of your likes or ums or uhs or hedging terms that linguists will say are, you know, feminine markers. Mm, uh uh And uh, then good luck, right? Then good luck in trying to also sound authentic. (laughs) And I was like, I call BS because I come from theater world. And here's what I know: those moments when we see somebody on stage or on screen saying what matters to them. Like those moments when somebody like finally admits in the rom-com that they're in love and their heart opens up and you see them is makes such an impact. You lean in, you fall in love with them. And that is exactly What makes us fall in love with people when they're speaking in public Our favorite speeches. Every single one you've ever wanted to share with your friends that have gone viral. It's not because that person kept their voice low and kept all of their ums and uhs out of their speech, right? So I was sort of, you know, with my little mischievous outsider grin, was like... (laughs) We need to refocus what public speaking even is in our collective Mm. mind and in our personal mind, our own, you know, inner thoughts, so that um, we're not constantly trying to play at something we're not that doesn't work, that will never feel like love out loud and refocus on something that could possibly make us love our own voice, love our friends' voices, change what power sounds like in our own mind. So we stop trying to like, you know, play at that old thing. And make us perhaps, perhaps set ourselves up so that the next time we pitch or have the opportunity to speak, it actually feels good on the inside.
3: Can you explain? You mentioned hedging. Can you explain what some of these like vocal fry, upspeak, these things that we have <laughs> in the way we talk,
1: mm-hmm.
3: how we use them? And and why? Why are they there? Why mm. why has why has vocal fry become a thing? And then later, let's discuss why sometimes we get emails from people criticizing the way we speak
1: as podcasters. Oh, that's sometimes. so interesting! As podcasters, I've never heard that story. Checking <laughs> right, sometimes people have real problems with our voices. Are um, you guys? Are you guys? Wait, let me just. Are you guys women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh! Mm-hmm. oh, that's so interesting. Weird, right? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yes. Okay. So, so practically speaking, vocal fry is the linguistic term for when your uh, voice gets kind of caught in your throat, often because you're not breathing enough. Um, but obviously it just becomes habit. It's not actually like because of that moment. It's like about the, you know, accumulation of moments, but it ends up sounding like this. And it either happens the entire time. Or more likely, you're like breath, breath, breath. I'm saying what I mean. I'm speaking decisively, but like at the end of the thought, like I'm not totally sure. So what do you think? In that case, it's so clearly like I'm throwing energy out, but then I'm slightly taking it back at the end. And if we put it that way, because I'm a huge fan of having like no shame, no actual shame in terms of the habits we've picked up. Well, let's look at what value that serves. How useful is it in a lot of our work contexts or with, you know, men, period, or anybody who is looking for, uh, not feeling intimidated? Um, how useful it is to be like, I care a lot about this thing, but also I'm super flexible. I'm super open and I'm curious what you think and I'm not too married to it. So either way is fine. It's such mm. an obvious, valuable defense mechanism. It also says, um, I might sound like I care a lot about this, but also like, don't worry, I don't care that much. Which is also a way of of not being vulnerable Mm -hmm. if it's not a safe space. Mm -hmm. So because also the other thing is that if we talk entirely in our throat like this, we have no pitch variation up and down. And pitch variation, this is just like a total me thing that that I figured out from coaching people, but pitch variation, when we go up and down, Not like, you know, clownishly, but realistically, when we go up and down, it codes for vulnerability. It means I care. So a great way to sound like you don't care, Mm. you know, is vocal fry. And then there's all these, you know, think pieces about how it makes you seem blasé and, and detached. And it's like, yeah, actually, that, yes, correct. It's useful. It's useful. And, mm-hmm. and this is where I'll say, you know, your why question, Kate, is so good and so cuts to the heart of it. One of my favorite things from linguistics. And I, I had a podcast called permission to speak a few years ago. I, co- I interviewed a bunch of linguists and I've read a, a bunch of, I'm like such a pop linguistics nerd. And one of my favorite things that is so like standard inside the world of linguistics, but doesn't always go mainstream is that every single habit you listening, you have picked up you have picked up for a reason. It has served you in some way. And now in this moment, as we're all having this conversation, and maybe on some level, you're feeling frustrated about your lack of power, lack of agency in some aspect of your life, you get to go, thank you, habit. Um, Perhaps I've outgrown you. What would another option be? Because all of us sound the way we do because of the life we've lived, which is partly like the accents we had, that our parents had, that our, you know, friends had growing up. And partly, then what? Why did we leave? When did we leave? How did we learn how to how to come across as nice or how to come across as likable or how to come across as funny or whatever kind of archetype we felt like we, you know, we wanted to seem or we seemed based on our birth order when we were going to school? when we were going to college, when we were dating, when we were in our first job. I mean, I like to say, what habits have we picked up to get by in rooms of power? Mm, Okay. Well, playing a little small in that room certainly seemed to help. It made everybody actually listen more to me. Cool. I'll keep doing that thing where I lean back off the end of my sentence. And this is what upspeak is too. So upspeak goes up at the end. So you sound like, hi, my name is Samara which is like has a question marky energy, right? To be loving toward it, as I like to be toward all of these. Uh, it also says, have you ever heard of that name before? Inside of saying what your name is. So it's pretty efficient. <laughs> right? So but then it becomes this habit. And then sometimes for some people, it feels like everything they say goes up at the end. And that is just harder for certain ears to sort of decode what's a sentence and what's a question. Is that a habit you picked up because it also makes you seem unintimidating? Perhaps, you know.
0: So what, I, what I'm hearing, Samara, and what I think I took away from your book is that when we use these things like hedging, like upspeak, like vocal fry, they're not necessarily quote unquote bad, but we should kind of be more aware of when and how we use them.
1: If they're a problem, like I'm also not here to fix anything that isn't broken,
0: you know? Okay. But if you've okay,
1: been getting okay. feedback, I mean, another, another moment, another like massive, but tiny origin story moment for me as I was writing this book and I was like, Oh, oh, this thing that I kind of glossed over and for probably, you know, <clears throat> trauma reasons, like kind of avoided. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I, lost my voice and it went on for months and I didn't, I wasn't sick and I couldn't figure it out. And I was in acting school. So what a weird, silly place to not be able to talk. I dropped out of the play, you know, like, okay, what, what is happening? And I was in Providence, Rhode Island and I was cold and I would just drink tea at night being like, I can't even call my parents and my friends. Like what is happening? And I finally got myself to an ear, nose and throat doctor. I found out I had vocal nodules anyone here has experienced that. And, you know, the reasons why it was interesting and it was its own journey. But the moment that I glossed over that I really had to go back to is that I got back to class that day. And the guy who ran the whole acting program stopped class. I missed the morning session. And in front of everybody, he said, oh, all right, so what's the diagnosis? And I said, you know, gathering myself to get some sound out of my vocal cords, um, it's vocal nodules. I have to go on vocal rest. And he said, huh, just as I thought, bad usage. Whoa. <laughs> right, wow. Right, it's like, it's like, and it's not even like that phrase has some like cultural significance, right? But we all felt it, right? It's like, oh, oh, just to be clear, Samara, you're not just the victim here of this, you know, injury. You're the perpetrator. You fucked yourself up. And that feeling of shame, why did I sabotage myself like this, is part of the heartbeat of this book. Because whether you were, you've just been pulled aside to say, you know, your voice is too high and girly, or to say that you say like too much, most of us have had some version of that moment where we're like, why did I pick this up? Why did I do this to myself? What's wrong with me? And now I've coached like thousands of people through workshops and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so universal. And we're all stuck being like, this is so me. So, yeah, Dory, I mean, yeah, you know, you're saying like, are these things wrong? You know, it's like, I hope I've made it clear they're not wrong. They are valuable in the moment. Mm. And then we get to like – take real ownership of our own voice. Like what is this quote unquote finding Mm -hmm. your voice thing that everybody talks about? Well, why did it go missing? Why did it go missing? And if you can own that story, the parts that happened to you and the parts that you did, then you get to choose. And hopefully not in a way that feels like, well, sub out this sound and sub in this sound, right? But rather Mm -hmm. you get to, I mean, the, the word permission is in this book because that it's a feeling it's a physical feeling of freedom that comes from stuff like those moments where you collect where you where you connect with your friends you remember your your greatest communication style and you go oh that's not always like a one-to-one perfect mapping to your work version of yourself but there's something provocative and juicy there who are you around your favorite people Mm. what's that Mm. voice
0: so we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.
3: And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
0: Okay, we're back.
3: For folks who are not, you know, white, hetero, men, um, so who are essentially marginalized in, in those spaces, how do they find power in their voices? And and alternately, how do we ourselves check our own accent bias, which yeah. you talk so well about, um, and become more aware of when we're doing it? Because I find myself doing it I find myself doing it with younger folks like mm-hmm. I'm noticing a difference in the way like 20 year olds like that they speak really quickly and I have a hard time figuring it out and it's like what? and I'm realizing I'm they're coming from a completely different world of communication than I am the way they've been raised like the world and environment in which they've been raised is completely different than me and I'm your book actually kind of made me be like oh bitch, you're doing this.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I read that. I I read that chapter. I was like, oh no. It's the second half of this, right? Is like, what are the ways in which we are not just the victim of voice bias, but also perpetuating it um, and perpetuating it on ourselves? So how are we listening to other people and accidentally discounting them? because their accent is different from ours or because their speaking style, as you say, you know, Mm -hmm. feels foreign, but how much are we also turning that on ourselves and saying, well, I don't sound like what, you know, authoritative people should sound like. Why would anybody take, I don't even take me seriously. So, yeah, I mean, your question is so big and it's so real. And this is really who my book is for, right? I I mean, I joke about this in my intro, but like (laughs) even the straight white men among us, Probably under the surface have some complicated relationships to their voice. Mm. Um, but that anecdote, uh, they're not though. often the ones who, who know it. Yeah. The
3: man at the beginning who's like, I've never had to ask for permission to speak. And so, it's good. Like, mm-hmm. so good. So yeah. good. So good.
1: I mean, yeah. like this literally this dude like said in front of me. Wow, permission to speak—that's not something I've ever asked oh. for. But I'm, and I was like, "Oh my God, thank you so much for providing me <laughs> a lovely opening gambit for my book, sir." Yeah, um, I wonder if he'll ever read this book. Perhaps not, given that. But, um, but here's the thing: so if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if English is your second language, or you have any accent that you're aware of marks you as different, you already know on some level right the world treats me differently because of how i talk whether you you know put together that exact sentence or not in your mind i don't need to sort of convince you that there's a problem here so the question is then what and the answer has to do with personal decisions we make and also cultural decisions That's not really the right word, but, you know, sort of a cultural conversation around bias that I'm hoping that this book and that the ideas in it spur because, yes, we can't be telling anybody who's already marginalized, who's already feeling an extra burden at work, a psychic burden. To then also go through 80 billion hoops, which is how a lot of like the executive presence coaching, you know, that's what, that's what they have to say is sort of like good luck. Mm -hmm. Uh, that can't, that can't be the be all end all. The other part of it is for any business that is theoretically interested in hiring diversely and thus doing so. How do you listen with diverse ears? How do you listen to different communication styles and have your voice bias because biases are instantaneous. We can't not have them, but then have the second thought. Oh, oh, I just accidentally discounted that person because of how they said that. Let me, let me be in right relationship with my voice and everyone else's and go, ha, can I please lean into curiosity here? Can I please, can I please support the type of world I actually like to live in? By being it right now. And those, both parts of that, I have tools for in the book. You yeah. Know? And part of it is also about the solidarity aspect, like just having this conversation with more people, knowing that when we speak up and sound like a version of ourselves that we recognize better. That it feels scary, that it's a risky move, that we might not be able to do that in a safe, in a space that truly doesn't feel safe. But what about when we do have a tiny bit more power? Okay. What, what like gamble are we going to take in that space? And then to go, ooh, that felt weird. Okay. I am going to call that a, you know, hashtag permission to speak moment. And that was real. And I'm going to share that with somebody. I do take this like really seriously in a yeah. obviously really playful way when I um, do podcast interviews because I'm like, <clears throat> talk about modeling, right? Like this is our opportunity to be the new sound of power. And I don't mean that in that, in that you know, masculine coded way that we talk about power where we mean power over people, right? I mean, we get to define, we get to decide by how we talk and how we listen, who we take seriously. And what if it isn't based on those old rules that don't serve us? And if you start to th- I mean, this is an offer that I i love to give because I need it for myself. If we start to think about who we really do love to listen to, right, obviously for those of you listening, who's, whose voices you like to have in your ear. I mean, Kate and Dory are on that list. People do like our voices sometimes. Yeah. And, and... You know, there's the Michelle Obamas and the AOCs and the Esther Perel's and like, you know, <clears throat> outside the box, people from your community, I wouldn't know or from, you know, from from your family, but start to think about voices that you love. Think about the voices around you who that make you lean in, that you actually mm. like to listen to, that don't necessarily, you know, fit any of those old timey, you know, standards around how we're supposed to sound and what they do to you. and. Not because, obviously, then you should sound like them, but because they will give you permission to sound like you. This
3: is the perfect note for us to end on. Um, I am taking away so
0: much from this conversation. Same. Same. Kate, when I start speaking completely differently on this podcast, I'm
3: I'm going to honor it. You do sometimes use a French accent. You do like to incorporate your background in French.
0: I Um, am French actually.
3: (laughs) Well, and I, you know what? I see you and I honor you. And that is your story. And I'm going to, I'm going to welcome it. Um, thank you so much. My work here is done. You did it. You solved everything for us.
0: Where can our listeners
3: next? Where can our listeners find you and your work? Your book is available everywhere books can be found. And it's fantastic. As I'm sure you can gather from this conversation, it's filled with so much insight. Um, but where else can we find you?
1: You know, my favorite place is uh Instagram. Um, if anybody wants to follow me at Samara Bay, I drop a new reel every Tuesday that's like actual, you know, tips and permission hacks. Love a reel. Um, but also I'm for the moment at least still very much in my DMs. And I'm like, I love when people contact me about, you know, what's been meaningful to them here. Um mm. and then yeah. Like, go to smarbay.com for book stuff, you know? There's, I'm, I'm dropping some new cool things. I have a course on there if you want to like see my face more. (laughs) And talk about this stuff in, you know, in a little bit more of a sense of community. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, I have one other thing. If you are thinking, what? Do I do for like the five minutes before I have a podcast interview or a whatever, whatever, so that I can give myself, you know, the greatest chance of showing up as myself. Um, I wish I had a warm-up. Here it is, Samarpay.com slash goodies. It's free. Please get it.
0: Ooh, thank you for that. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, thanks, Samara. This was so fun to talk to you. I love you guys. I love what you're doing. I appreciate you. Back at you. Uh samara was so great and her book is great it's such a good like combination of i love a book that's a combination of like memoir mm-hmm. plus you know guidebook prescription and it's very helpful i think i think people will get a lot out of it all right well listen let's get to
3: old intention town usa where okay, we like do to do live
0: it. um
3: you know I-, I will speak for myself here last week i I'd really been enjoying this kind of nightly reading time that I've been having with my kids Mm. and it has continued into this week. I even lit a fire one night in the fireplace.
0: Wow. And then I
3: had to text Anthony and I was like, am I going to burn down the house with the gas fumes? (laughs) Uh, Because I haven't really lit this fireplace before, Um, but we've been doing it. It's been really fun. I really, really especially love getting to talk to my kids about what they're reading. And that's been very rewarding. That's very cool. Also last night we made brownies instead of Aww. Instead of books. Um, Look at all this
0: bonding.
3: Yeah, in between the fighting and the yelling and the moping and the drama and the playing of SZA's Kill Bill over and over again, <laughs> we are bonding. Um, <sighs> this week, I am going to be focusing on a new desktop app and mobile. I have it on mobile. I now have it on everything that I use that's a screen. That I've been using to plan my day out called Sunsama. Okay. I am really connecting with this app. If you are it it, it fills in the hole missing for me between Google Calendar and Asana. Okay. Google Calendar is my main planning tool. Yep. Asana is one that I'm really kind of trying to see if I can get into in terms of to-do list. I've been tracking things on there. I mm-hmm. track the mm-hmm. books that I'm reading, books that I'm blurbing. I I actually I created a editorial board for my current book that I'm writing on there. Oh cool. I think you can really do a lot on Asana and I really like it. I'm just seeing if I'm actually going to stick with it. But Sunsama It's like sun sama, s-u-n-s-a-m-a. I don't know how I found this. I think I had just, it was one of my frantic, like Google's thing searches. Mm -hmm. I've had the frantic Google search, like at least once a week. This app has never come up and one day it did. Interesting. And it's kind of like the missing link for me. They describe it as the daily planner for busy professionals. This is what they say on their website. It says, okay. Since organizes your work one day at a time, every day should feel calm and focused. Um, So I'm still in the trial period of it. I think I'm on like day eight. And I love it. Cool. Okay. So I will possibly start paying for it, but it integrates seamlessly with my Google calendar Ooh. and with Asana.
0: Okay. That's interesting because I feel... I might be confusing this with something else, but my recollection is that when you and I first tried to use Asana, Mm -hmm. there was an issue with Google Calendar integration. So I don't, it's interesting you say that. I don't know, I
3: don't have Asana and Google Calendar really connected. Asana is where I'm tracking to-dos. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think there was an issue. Yeah.
3: Um, and, anyway, and I will say we, you and I use and and Sammy, our project manager, use Trello. We do use Trello, and I think Trello is way more effective for what we need in terms of
0: like a team. Yes, yeah.
3: Um, Asana, I'm still kind of, I'm kind of struggling with. There's, it's, I need something more colorful. This is a little too corporate looking, but I'm, st- but I, but there are things that I do like about it. So. All that being said, everybody check out Sun Sama. Okay. It's really especially those of you like me who have a hard time with time management. Mm. I'm looking at you my my fellow ADDs. But also anybody, you don't have to be a neurod as I call us, neurod. Um
0: well, Kate, speaking of
3: planners, Oh my god. Yes, I've been saving this question. Dorian I are in person. She we are. She got to my house and I was like, how's the full focus planner going? And then I said, save it for the pod.
0: <sighs> okay, you know, I I left the house kind of in a flurry and I forgot to bring it. I meant to bring it. Um I would say it's going pretty well. I'm definitely using it. I, you know, like I said, I was really gonna commit to it and give it a shot. Um, It has been helpful in terms – like, definitely in terms of to-dos and, like, prioritizing tasks. Good. So that's been good. I also started digging into some of their stuff around, um, goal, like, bigger goal setting. And, you know, again, I don't (laughs) – the vibe is, like – A little off. That's right. That's right. It's a little bit cult leadery. It's a little, it's a little culty. They have this thing called the Smarter Framework to set your goals, and I'm like, a framework with an acronym? Like, (laughs) come on. (laughs) But you know, I think like the things that they said, I was like, okay, that actually does kind of make sense. So here's what SMARTER stands for. The S stands for specific. You need the goal to be specific. So instead, they say like, instead of saying like, I want to learn photography, the specific thing is like complete this person's like fundamentals of photography course. Like, okay. Like that actually does. Make that sense. helps. Yeah. Not like get better at tennis, but right. like, you know, whatever. You get it. Um. The M stands for measurable. So... You know, something that can be like quantifiable. Okay. Um, the A is action-oriented. So their example, which I was like, okay, relatable. They said a bad example would be be more consistent in blogging. <laughs> a better example, write two blog posts per week. It's like, okay. I hear that. I hear that. And then the the first R stands for risky, which I was like, oh, Okay. They say you have to make sure your goal is in your discomfort zone. Oh. And I was like, That surprises me. Okay. Okay. I see what you're doing here. Like, I'm not not on board with that, right? Because I think it's like easy to stay in your comfort zone. T is time keyed. Make sure your goal has a deadline. The E is for exciting. Make sure your goal is personally exciting and compelling to you. And then the second R stands for relevant. Make sure your goal is appropriate to your season of life. That, so like i went through that whole thing and i was like it great i was like okay fine <laughs> wow i mean that all actually
3: seems really helpful right and yeah. so like
0: i realized like i no one has ever like taught me how to set a goal god you know no i
3: know that's kind of what it's doing and that's
0: kind of what it's doing and like the examples they gave i was like yeah i do see how that is like a better way to phrase this and gives you something more concrete to work towards like something measurable you know what i mean and so i was like huh okay
3: that's very interesting so that like yeah. so
0: it's just been interesting now do i need the emails that are like the breakthrough resource you've been waiting for. Oh no. Oh and no. And then it's like buy
3: this thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> frustrating. I don't um, love I
0: don't love that. Yeah, so that is like a little that's the thing about the general vibe of the whole system that I don't love. So I'm trying to just like take what I need from it, I guess. Okay. I don't know. And, you know, maybe there is no perfect planner. I I want to believe that there is. I know. And I feel like we keep encountering this in, like, various forms. You know, like, there's no perfect backpack.
3: <laughs> or perfect jeans. Yes, exactly. Or, and,
0: and there's not. And there's
3: not. And we're being and, – and I think – and this is – I'll talk about this later, but I think this is part of my frustration with, like – influencing on TikTok is we're being constantly sold that there is.
0: Yes. Well, one of my favorite newsletters, Blackbird Spy Plane, had... Oh, I don't I don't follow that one. Okay. ...a great newsletter kind of about this whole idea of like optimization culture. Um, I, for, I mean, it was probably about a year ago now, but it was like really taking to task sites like The Wirecutter, like all these sites that are like the best...
3: Right. The strategist. Yeah, yeah. The
0: best blah, blah, blah. And it's like you know first of all like what the metrics are not all like i've bought things from wire cutter that are like the best xyz that i'm like this isn't that great okay. like for me this is not that great so just this idea that we could impose a standardized quote unquote objective measure on like every single fucking thing is like and it's also sort of like flattening right like if everyone buys the same spatula right then
3: you we're know? all kind of becoming just yes copies of each other exactly yes.
0: so i don't know i
3: i've been thinking about this kind of thing a lot like also just never trusting like it takes away trusting ourselves yes. a little bit
0: totally and like you know what if what if i want like a pink flowered spatula what if i don't want
3: but like that's not cool aesthetic that's the other thing that's driving yeah. me fucking nuts is this whole idea of aesthetic and how everybody's aesthetic is the same, mm. or or like or how that's even a consideration and not functionality, mm-hmm.
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, just one more. Okay, th- yeah, th- we're on a new these lines, box. Okay, and then and then we can wrap. But um, my son needs a new laundry basket, mm-hmm. and there was a part of me that was like, oh, I should just Google like best laundry basket. <laughs> And then I was like, no. (laughs) And I just showed him. I was like, hey, do you want to pick out a new laundry basket? And I showed him all the options. He was like, that one. And he picked it out. Great. And I was like, great. I'm going to order it. Done.
3: Done. Good job. Done.
0: So, you know. It's the best for you. It's the best for me. All right. Wow.
3: Wow, we really took a turn. I didn't know it was going to go there, but it I'm, did take I'm curious a turn. about this. All right. Well, I guess we must wrap it up and just let you all know that this show, Forever 35, is hosted and produced by us, Dory Schaffer and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager. Our network partner is ACAST. And we thank you all for listening.
0: Bye.